So really excited today to be able to um, speak to Gillian Georgiou for our podcast. Um, Gillian Georgiou has a background working as a secondary teacher of RE and philosophy in North London. But in 2014, she moved to Lincolnshire to become the RE advisor for the Diocese of Lincoln. In this role, she works with teachers and leaders of RE in church and community primary, secondary and special schools. She's led the RE Connecting Lincolnshire project since 2015. And today we're finding out about its latest piece of work, Empowering Voices. Gillian, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. We're really excited to hear about this amazing project. So what inspired the project Empowering Voices and how uh, did it evolve over time? Thank you so much, Lorraine, for for having me. I'm really excited to share this piece of work with you. Um, So we have been working for nearly a decade now to um, help children and young people in our region understand a little bit more about people's worldviews, religious worldviews, non-religious worldviews, just help them get to grips with the different ways in which people believe things and live their lives and think about the world around them. I came into this region from an area of London that is very um, diverse, very rich cultural and religious and racial diversity. And Lincolnshire was very different. You know, when I arrived here, I really had to um, sort of adjust my expectations of what the children would be familiar with. And I had to think quite carefully about how to manage some quite tricky conversations about diversity and difference. It was certainly the case when I first arrived that there were some schools that were struggling to feel confident about teaching parts of the RE curriculum because either they had no accessibility to religious difference um, or cultural difference on the ground, or because there were views about particular groups of people held within the wider community that were making things difficult. So this piece of work really came out of some um, incidents of quite significant religious hatred where either pupils or children felt unable to engage in learning about diversity because of um, some real tensions within the wider community. So our first piece of work really was to try to support those teachers to feel confident bringing diversity into the RE classroom. The way we did that was by um, putting on a piece of theatre, working with some brilliant creative professionals. So we've we've got a core team we've been working with for this whole time. Um, so we've got uh, Emily Bignall from Shooting Fish Theatre. We've got um, Leanne Taylor and David Lambert, who are all the core team. And we worked with them um, with schools in the local area to put on a performance that explored stories from the Bible and the Quran. And the purpose of that piece of work was to, um, on the one hand, introduce the children and the teachers and the wider community to some of the commonalities between Christian and Muslim worldviews, but also to help them have a richer understanding of the differences, where they came from, how they might look different for different Christians and for different Muslims as well. So we wove together a narrative that the children helped create, which was rooted in a child experiencing an incident of Islamophobia on the way to school. 
and we then performed stories from the Bible and the Quran and we included video clips of local people talking about their worldview and the way in which it impacted them. That was stage one. Stage two then was to work again with the children and to really root things much more in the children's own voices. What were the questions they wanted to ask? What were the, the tricky situations they felt they were facing? What were the problems that they wanted to explore? And from that, we produced a play called Our Place, which explored the um, journey of three friends all of whom are evolving in their worldviews. So some of them are coming from religious worldviews, some of them are not, but all of them are going through a moment in their life where they're questioning the things they believe and the ways they think about the world, and they're all doing it together, leaning on each other, challenging each other, um, being excited by these new adventures. So we performed that play around 20 schools and there was an education pack associated with that. We are now at our third phase of work, which is the Empowering Voices project. And uh, I guess I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. That's so amazing to hear, Jill, and thank you so much for explaining that in depth for us. It's, it's fantastic to hear about you know, the children's inputs in particular with regards to the project. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, how did parents participate in the first phase of the project and why was their involvement important? That's an excellent question and it was a, a crucial, crucial part of the beginning of this piece of work because we were aware that um, children were not seeing difference as a problem in, in the classroom and nor were the teachers or the school leaders, but the teachers and school leaders were facing some challenges because of some of the views held by the parents or carers or wider family of, of the pupils in the school. So when we started that very first piece of work, Reconnecting Lincolnshire, where we looked at those stories from the Bible and the Quran, we made it a non-negotiable of the children's participation that their grown-ups would participate too, whether that's a parent, a grandparent, a carer, whoever it might be. And they could do that in any way they wanted to. So they could help us construct props for the play. They could make the shadow puppets we used to tell the stories. They could act as chaperones when we were working with the children. They could make cups of tea for the uh, creatives and the teachers, whatever they wanted to do. But we needed them to be involved. When we started this piece of work, we carried out some surveys to get a snapshot of how people felt about different religious and non-religious worldviews. And what we got quite clearly from that piece of work was that many people were considering Jesus to be a white man, which, you know, he wasn't. Um, and we also were getting a lot of extremely negative views about um, Islam and Muslims. Having gone through that process, um, having had those parents and carers engaged in this piece of work, meeting people from these different traditions, finding out more about them, at the other end of the piece of work, we found that although views hadn't necessarily completely done a 180, they had moved forward. So we might still have some parents who were genuinely quite fearful about difference because they didn't see it in front of them. They'd never grown up around it. They, they were still a little bit anxious about it. 
but they quite liked Amira who they'd had a cup of tea with and they'd got on with her really well and talked about the latest episode of Strictly. So, you know, there was some movement forwards there and, and we were really pleased because that then made things easier for the teachers, for the school leaders to bring this into the RE classroom in a really impactful kind of a way. That sounds amazing. It's really great to hear um, about the parental engagement in that beauty of diversity. Um, thank you, Jill. So my next question um, is about, you know, what kind of educational materials were produced to accompany the performance of Our Place and how were they intended to be used? So this was the second phase of work. This was the, the play rooted in the children's own experiences and, and questions. Um, and what we wanted was to provide something that meant this would actually be used <laughs> because you know otherwise there is no point at all so what we made available from that is we made available um, recordings of the play itself um, so little snapshot elements from particular moments in the play we made the script available and we also created lots and lots of little videos produced with Key Stage 2 pupils on big meaty topics like beliefs and disagreeing well and futures. And we then built some teaching and learning suggestions around those materials that could be used either in Upper Key Stage 2 or Key Stage 3. So I think we've come to the point where, you know, a lot of teachers are probably thinking this is a really good program, um, but obviously how do we assess it? How do we evaluate it? How do we know that it's working effectively? And how, you know, can we embed that into our ethos of our schools? Um, so was there any way that you evaluated it and what came out of it? And what was the impact on pupils and teachers in the wider community? I mean, that's, it's, it's a really important part of how we have moved forward step by step with this piece of work. So at the end of that initial phase of work, um, we had some really positive feedback around the parental engagement and the movement forward we'd had with that. But we'd also discovered that the children, um, not that it had been done to them, but they didn't feel that perhaps they had as much of a voice or as much of a presence as they would have liked to. With any kind of evaluation of a project of this sort, it's largely qualitative. Um, you know, there is a certain amount of measurable information we can take. So we can check whether people have certain factual information about Islam and Christianity at the beginning, at the end, and we can measure that. But largely it's going to be that kind of soft intelligence, that qualitative interviewing, survey taking, that, that kind of area of things. So as a result of that initial evaluation, we developed our place to really put that, that pupil voice front and center. And when that piece of work finished, um, the, the evaluation we carried out there essentially said that there was a need for this beyond our region that it, it wasn't just us that was facing some of these challenges. So in our current phase of work, which is the Empowering Voices project, um, we have really tried to move things forward by reaching 
outwards. We are still working in our region, but we have moved out into working in Leicestershire, in Bristol, in Hertfordshire, various other places around the country. Um, the other big change that we've made as a result of our evaluation was that in the previous two phases of work, um, we really focused on the visual. You know, everything we created was quite visual. It was a theatrical performance. It was uh, a video that you could watch, a short film, an animation. It was all quite visual. And somebody just sort of commented, well, I don't have to look at that if I don't want to. And that really struck me as quite an important observation. And I had been reading um, some theology. I'd been reading the theology of um, Hans Urs von Balthasar. And he talks about the fact that your eyes have lids. You can close your eyes if you don't want to see, but your ears don't. And so as a result, we decided in the Empowering Voices piece of work to, to really focus in on that and produce something that was oral rather than visual. So in this piece of work, we've produced a series of podcasts and each of them explores a particular lived experience of a worldview. And we um, have constructed them out of an audio play that we have written with the children. So that pupil voice is right up front and center. And then we have an in conversation with experts and people from that worldview to explore the themes in the audio play and then we have an immersive soundscape so that if you cannot experience this worldview on your doorstep you can properly immerse yourself in it for a period of time. Well that sounds like the, all your senses are being immersed in this project. <laughs> um, so at this point we want to thank you but I also would like to you've mentioned uh, one book that you um, have been reading or read at the time to influence your thinking on this. Are there any other books that you would like to suggest to some of our audience um, to maybe go out or run out and go and get so that we can, you know, you can help influence the, your thinking and how can you um, approach this type of work or, you know, embed this within your, your school? How long have you got, Lorraine? Um, okay, so my go-to at the moment, because it, it really made me sit back and think about what we mean when we talk about identity and the, the kind of categories that we put identity into um, in our society, whether that's religion or race or culture or gender or whatever it might be. So it's a book by the, um, the philosopher Kwame Anthony Appiah called The Lies That Bind, and it's a brilliant read. I'd highly recommend it. Oh, that's perfect. So I'm going to signpost everybody to that and provide them with the link and everybody rush out and go get that. So um, we just wanted to say thank you so much. I'm sure Bolly Alicia would like to thank you um, for taking the time to speak to our um, listeners and to encourage them to not be afraid to explore this and to, you know, uh, go out and, and see what your community needs and make space to explore it together to move forward. Thank you.